Take a deep breath, take the higher road That's what they always say, as if they know the way They won't take it from me But don't ever doubt yourself, it's life ain't just a dream You make your own, so kick and scream The people will like with a never-ending force You never had the chance, so what you waiting for? The day has come, my friend, cause this is war show is going to take a little different path than I think I've been on for, well, the last few shows. Uh, My last few shows feel like they've been very maybe politically heavy or maybe outside of politics. I'm not sure I like the word politics. I think it is all encompassing, but maybe more current events or maybe some of the things that we're seeing day to day that's being broadcast. And I'm going to shift gears a little bit because I want to talk about just some things that I have done over the last few years that I have found very helpful for myself in kind of this health journey. We have hit the three-year anniversary of the pandemic, and I love seeing on online and in my social circles how people have chosen to spend those three years. I think that we were faced with a lot of opportunity, opportunity for growth, opportunity for self-reflection, opportunity for question asking. And what I love seeing is the response of people that have decided to implement things that maybe they normally wouldn't have over the past three years maybe looking at their health a little bit differently, or maybe now that the veil has kind of been lifted on a lot of our government issues, the medical industrial complex, big pharma, uh, these different areas in which I think we are seeing significant amounts of corruption that maybe we weren't seeing before or we weren't paying attention or they didn't seem as front and center as they are now prior to the pandemic. As I've talked about on my show before, I was raised in more of a naturally minded kind of household. I grew up with a chiropractor versus a pediatrician. And that chiropractor uh, practiced homeopathy. So that was sort of our first line of defense. If we weren't feeling well or if we needed a treatment regimen for something, that's where we went to versus your standard allopathic uh, medical pathway. So I've always felt more inclined to lead, to, to kind of lean in that direction. However, over the last three years, I think it just became so incredibly imperative that you have to take control over what you can control in your day-to-day life to minimize how much damage is being done to us by these external forces. It's really funny. I remember my grandmother. I 
I loved her dearly. She was, I, I was fortunate enough to grow up with two grandmothers. I thought the grandmother on my father's side uh, was just, she was just amazing. Both of my grandmothers were, but she would always say, they say, they say, and we would kind of joke about it. Like it was a family joke. Oh, you know, they say, and I find myself saying that a lot these days. And I wish now going back, I would have been a little bit older to have a conversation with my grandmother and be like, grandma, what do you mean they say? Who are the they? And I find myself saying that a lot of times. And I think I know who the they are. They may not be the same ones that my grandmother was alluding to, but I feel like there is a big they. There is a big group of you know, they, the ones that are in control, the ones that are pulling the strings, the ones that I do truly believe have not only a negative plan in place that they've been unfurling for years and years and years and years, which maybe now a lot of us are seeing and getting wise to, but I also don't think that they have our best intentions in mind. So part of their plan is dubious and it's nefarious. And I think that they don't have to have everyone top to bottom involved in that plan. They're the puppet masters. And as we've, as we've seen over the last three years, so many people are content just falling in line. And so many people are content just following orders. And they know this about human nature. So the they only include in their big scheme whom they need to include. It doesn't need to trickle all the way down. The ultimate end goal plan doesn't have to hit the bottom of the pyramid. And I talk about this because it has significantly impacted the conscious decisions that I have made in my day-to-day life and in my day-to-day routine as my own individual attempt to thwart their plan against me as an individual and, and for my son, as I can be responsible for some of those choices for him as well. In a previous show, when I was talking about the chickens and the egg shortage that we faced, I brought up the point that we have this illusion of choice when it comes to our food. It looks like we have all of these different brands. We have all of these different labels. We have all of this great marketing And you walk into the grocery store and you have umpteen different options of oatmeal and different soups and all of this variety. However, they're really all different brands under the same large umbrella. And that large umbrella is a handful of parent companies. That same model exists in a variety of other aspects of our life. And when you sort of break that down, it, in my brain, it connects directly to a larger puzzle. The puzzle in my brain looks like this. If you have a wagon wheel, let's say, for me, the center of that wagon wheel is big pharma holding hands with our medical industrial complex. I believe that those two entities are at the center of 
this illusion of wanting us to be healthy. I don't believe that either of those entities as wholes want us to be healthy. And here's why. A cured customer is a lost customer. We've, we've all heard that. We've all, we all know that saying. We can all conceptualize how that makes sense. Independent of childbirth, independent of falling and breaking a bone, there are some things that happen to us where we need a skilled physician, where we need treatment, we need to go to the hospital, or we need to participate in some type of medical intervention. This I'm fully aware of. And again, this is not an accusation or an attack on necessarily the individuals whom I believe get into medicine or get into the pharmaceutical world, not because they want to violate their oath of first do no harm. That's not it at all. I think they're probably scientific minded. They maybe have a sense of altruism where they want to help people. However, the unfortunate part about those very large systems is that they are incredibly large. And ultimately, it's very easy to become a cog on the wheel of the system. I think we all saw that over the last three years. I certainly felt it. And that is why I had to resign as an RN. I couldn't take it anymore. I couldn't just be a cog on this wheel of repetition and corruption and seeing things that were so blatant and so obvious. And I couldn't have my heart and soul associated with those things anymore. So if we look at kind of our, our medical industrial complex and our pharmaceuticals. Those are our treatments, right? So treatments for cancer or neurological conditions, chronic conditions, autoimmune issues. We turn to those modalities typically for treatment. It's what we've been trained to do. And the training is twofold, really. The training is the kind of luring in of this is what you should be doing. Look at us. We're smart. We're scientists. We're educated. We have medical degrees. You do not have a medical degree. You do not know. So we've, we've, we've twofold lured you in with this proposed solution to your problem. But on the other hand, we've demonized anything that could be a potential alternate solution to the problem. Whether that be chiropractic care, whether that be homeopathy, whether that be essential oils, whether that be traditional herbal medicine, whether that be something as simple as diet and exercise. The job has been done to shape our framework around what is healthy, what is unhealthy, what is harmful, what is not harmful. And in all of that, 
I am now 1000% confident for myself and my own life and my existence that if I am hearing a recommendation from either of those two groups, I'm literally going in the opposite direction. I want nothing to do with what their suggestion is. I want nothing to do with following a guideline. And I am reverting back to kind of our roots, if you will, looking at the things that we used to do, that we used to eat, that were sort of tried and true, that somehow got eliminated through the course of history. And again, I think that they were eliminated because they worked and because we had these other industries that were coming in and the pharmaceutical industry and we need to make money. And then the pharmaceutical industry can uh, give money to our education department and dangle that carrot of, well, you got this much money. We're going to need you to teach this and we can go into the government and we can have lobbyists. That's why for me, it's at the center of the wagon wheel. Now, maybe at some points, other things can kind of come in and, and ebb and flow into the center. But to the outside of that wagon wheel, I think everything else that we are exposed to and that we experience on our day to day ultimately lead back to the center of that wagon wheel. And it's because it's, it's the money follow the money. Here in Arizona, where I live, we have a Mayo Clinic. And when I was in nursing school, actually, I did my second semester, I did my med surge nursing rotation at the Mayo Clinic. It was fantastic. The facilities were beautiful. I learned a lot. I had great preceptorship. Since that time, so over 15 years, that Mayo Clinic has almost tripled in size. I drive by it on the freeway, and every single time I pass it, I think to myself, this is big business. Being sick is big business. This Mayo Clinic that has a phenomenal reputation, you hear people talk about it all the time. And business is booming because we have been, I think, duped in a lot of ways. I think we've been sold packs of lies. I think we've been encouraged not to investigate. I also think that things are done uh, loosely, if you will, not fully investigated uh, by some of our government three-letter agencies of whether or not they are good for human consumption. So all of these things, for me, go back to that medical you know, complex and, and, and big pharma. Additionally, if we want to talk about just the pharmaceutical industry in and of itself, there's not a single pharmaceutical product on the market 
that doesn't have a side effect. That's wild to me. And I think we see it when you watch TV and you see that commercial come on and it's all of these like happy people like prancing around with whatever chronic ailment they have. And they're so joyful and blissfully happy to be taking this medication that then literally will have, I don't know, five, 10, 15 different side effects. And I think to myself, oh my gosh, is what I have, is my ailment, if I were that person frolicking around in a field of daisies, taking this type two diabetes medication, am I gonna ever ask myself, is there anything I can do to potentially, quote unquote, cure my type two diabetes? Uh, I think that's where we should start. I think we should start looking at the root cause. Okay, I, I should probably lose some weight. I should probably implement a better diet. I should uh, exercise routinely rather than take this medication and then potentially run a relatively significant high risk of having a side effect from the medication that's being used to treat a reversible condition. And then you get to go back to your doctor and say, oh, by the way, I'm now suffering from this. Well, that's probably as a result of the medication that you're taking for your type 2 diabetes. I've got another medication for that. I can't tell you how many patients I would talk to on a daily basis, taking their intake before they go back for surgery, what medications are you on? And it was just this cascade. It was like, oh, I'm taking this for this, but then I have to take these other medications because of the side effects from this one medication. And in so many cases, in so many cases, these were conditions that were more than likely manageable from an alternate therapy or with education about diet and exercise. So I just have such a hard problem. I just get so frustrated when we get kind of placed into these positions that this is the only thing that we are quote unquote allowed to do or allowed to look at. And I also get frustrated that it has so much influence on everything else. And that when we're sick and when we have something wrong with us and we aren't even really allowed to question what the root cause of that was, where it came from, can we fix it in another way? Those, those conversations get immediately shut down. I've made it a goal for myself Again, independent. I'm done having children, so I don't have to worry about that. And if I were to have any more children, I would not have them in the hospital. I would have a home birth. Um, so that would eliminate one component of needing to go to a hospital. And outside of any sort of, you know, major 
trauma or falling and breaking a bone or slicing off an appendage somewhere, I, my goal is to avoid the hospital at all costs. So I've used really this last three years to look at how I cannot give those particular entities any of the satisfaction, monetary satisfaction that they would get by me being in an unhealthy state. And that unhealthy state is associated with so much more obviously than just our physical health, right? It's our mental health. It's our psychological health. It's our spiritual health. But our physical is huge. Our physical is a massive, massive component of that. Mental obviously ties into the physical. It's that drive. It's that determination. It's that uh, consistency, that comes from the mental to sort of then impact the physical or help support the things that we are doing to directly impact our physical bodies. And in the second half of the show, I'm just going to share some really simple things that I have done that maybe you would want to implement or maybe start researching or looking into to also help maybe optimize your health, or if you are as skeptical of the medical system as I am, if you don't want Big Farm to get any of your dollars and you know subsequently feed those dollars into other sort of corrupt areas of our world and our existence, then maybe these little tips and tricks would be helpful for you. Because I'll tell you from, for myself, I am a step-by-step type of person. While I love the big idea, and sometimes I don't go in a linear fashion, sometimes I'm not an A to Z thinker, I think I ultimately am very good at taking small steps to accomplish a larger goal. And this is the, these things that I have done are that for me. And I also recognize that I am never going to live in a completely toxin-free environment outside of literally moving off the grid, being away, not having any maybe potential human interaction, uh, growing my own food, not having the chemtrails in the skies, having well water, you know, all of those things that accomplished homesteaders can do or being out in a way, I'm not going to where I'm at currently in my life, be able to eliminate all of the things that I think are potential hazards, if you will, or toxins. But the little things that I can do, I want to make sure that I am doing them, just being more aware, keeping myself in a place of optimized health, removing things out of my immediate environment, minimizing exposures, and just being aware and being open to new ideas, new ways of looking at something, obviously researching and reading. If you've 
ever listened to me before, you know that that's something that I love to do. I love to dive in on research articles and look at studies and different things that are beneficial to us that have maybe been demonized by the powers that be. So when we come back, I'm going to dive into my list and just share some really simple things that I think you could do that you could implement if you aren't already, and maybe give you some food for thought on also looking into, um, you know, doing the research. If you like to do research, where you can start, where you can look, and maybe that will offer you some incentive on making some of these very tiny changes that could potentially impact some big things in your life. So we will tackle that when I come back. I am Nurse Beth. You are listening to Nurses Out Loud on America Out Loud Talk Radio. It's time and this is World-class care from doctors you can trust, all from the comfort of your home. That is One Wellness. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company launched the One Wellness membership to provide free monthly supplements and unlimited telemedicine access with doctors that share your values. Be a part of a revolutionary new healthcare system that puts your health and well-being above the interests of Big Pharma's bottom line. It's the way healthcare should be. Go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first month of One Wellness. If you're like me, you'd like life to return to some kind of normal. You're burned out on all the fear-mongering, but deep down you try and minimize viral exposure and your risk of getting sick. You've heard it talked about time and again by respected medical professionals. Use a pulvinone iodine nasal solution. I don't need to tell you just how powerful a nasal cleansing formula with xylitol, povidone iodine, and vitamin D3 for immune support could be. In fact, my attorney told me not to tell you. Google it and find out for yourself. Now, get yourself a bottle of American-made Cofix RX nasal solution. Let's get out and live again. CofixRx.com. That's C-O-F-I-X-R-X.com. Use coupon code OUTLOUD and get 20% off. These days, every time you turn on the news, it seems like there's a new threat to your health. Maintaining a strong immune system has never been more critical. Advanced nutrition company, Healthy Cell, created Immune Super Boost to help you strengthen your immunity. Unlike other supplements that don't work, Immune Super Boost is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra absorption of science-backed nutrients proven to support immunity, like vitamin C, D3, zinc, elderberry, and echinacea. These physician-formulated gels come in a small gel pack. Tear off the top and shoot it down, or mix it in water. Boost your immunity. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. AmericaOutloud.com. If you can't find it here, you can't find it anywhere. We are the pulse and voice of everyday American thought, working hard to earn your trust for seven incredible years and counting. America Out Loud Talk Radio, the liberty and justice for all. 
right, so let's dive in. Um, some of the things that I have done over the last few years, uh, very specifically and calculated, are both internal things and external things. I'll start with what I would maybe attribute to my quote unquote beauty routine, if that exists in my life. I'm a pretty low maintenance person as far as all of those types of things. Um, But what I do recognize is that products contain ingredients that are not beneficial for us and that a lot of specific ingredients have direct links to things like cancer or can be irritating. So some of the things that I have eliminated, and let's also just mention that our skin is our largest, largest organ in our body, right? And absorption is obviously a thing. It gets into our bloodstream. What do we really want in there? And what can we pay attention to, to just eliminate? Like it doesn't take very long to flip your bottle around and look at what the ingredients are. And the other thing that I would like to point out is amongst all of this chaos and confusion and all of the negative that seems to still be percolating in our world, I think that a lot of people have shifted their mindset. And I do see a lot of companies producing clean products, understanding the damage that some of these ingredients can do, understanding not only the potential risks for cancers, but also the disruptions to our endocrine system. So hormonal changes that can happen, problems with your thyroid that can happen. So there's so much that kind of encompasses, uh, you know, our body's reactions or things that can happen to our bodies with particular ingredients. When I did that show, like I mentioned earlier, on the egg shortage and this illusion of food choice, it's the same with our beauty routine. So there are a handful of companies that monopolize and own pretty much everything in our beauty industry, whether that be cosmetics, facial skincare, um, body lotions, deodorants, um, hair care, anything that we are kind of putting onto our body as part of a cleaning routine or a beauty routine, shaving, all of that is monopolized by a handful of companies. So again, the illusion of choice when it comes to, oh gosh, this product has a different label. It says this on the label, but what does that really mean? Again, this is also kind of like being a savvy consumer in what you're reading. It's hard to know everything, especially when they can also get very tricky about how they label something. It might appear that it's clean or we don't test on animals or all of these other kind of tricky advertising things that they can use. So I do encourage you to look up if you grab a product and the label, you know, take a picture of the label even and come home and dive in on their website. What is their definition of clean? What is their definition of natural, natural fragrance, things of that nature. I think it's important because those words and those labelings get thrown around really easily. And I think they're a little bit deceptive. So 
I also want to mention that here in the United States, versus in other parts of the world, there is a large discrepancy in what the FDA has banned that can be in our like cosmetics and some of these other products versus the EU, which has banned over 1300 chemicals. That I, I want it to be shocking and I want to be shocked by that. It's not shocking to me because again, I don't think that the FDA has our best interests in mind. And I think it again goes back to following the money. They're allowed to put all of these cheaper, more toxic ingredients in these products because I don't think that just paying for your body wash, that that's where the money stops, right? The money then infiltrates into all of these other areas. But that is really fascinating. I also know that the number or the recipes are very different oftentimes between like an American version of a food versus the European version of a food comes down to chemicals, ingredients in our beauty products, and also ingredients that are either banned or allowed in food products. So some of the areas in my kind of beauty routine that I am very cognizant of or aware, uh, shampoo and hair care, uh, your scalp, obviously, I think sometimes because it's covered up by hair for the majority of us, we don't necessarily associate it with sort of the same skin as putting body lotion on. But all of those ingredients touch your scalp and within a matter of seconds. And again, depending on your skin, uh, body weight, other skin factors that the, the rate at which your, your skin can absorb something and have it actually penetrate and get into your bloodstream does vary from person to person, but it does happen. Um, my cosmetics that I use. So the things that I put directly onto my face for makeup, I'm very aware of those ingredients and I do stick with cleaner beauty brands again, face wash. So cleaning my skin, I'm aware of those ingredients, body lotions, obviously the things that I put all over my body after the shower or when I feel like my skin needs a little zhuzhing or a little extra moisture, I, you know, use clean beauty products there. And then also deodorant. It's really interesting because some of the big players in the chemical world that sound more familiar than others, talking about sulfates, pegs, which is like polyethylene glycols. Um, I, did I say phthalates? Yeah, there, there are certain categories of these chemicals that have really been pushed into the spotlight and are very front and center when we think about what we want to try to eliminate. Parabens is one of them. And there are a lot of studies that look at solid breast cancer tumors that actually contain parabens. If you think about like our lymph system from the inside, our lymphatic system is this incredibly beautifully designed system in our body, connecting these channels all throughout a filtration system. And we've got lymph nodes in our armpits and we're using deodorant on there daily, if not once a day, multiple times a day. And you think about if you have this deodorant that's full of chemicals, 
soaking directly into your armpits? How fast is that getting into our lymphatic system? Uh, for women, our armpits are, you know, obviously very closely related to our breasts. There's just so much to unpack there. So deodorant is definitely one that I use a clean version of. I look at the ingredients. Uh, I wish that I could be somebody that didn't need to use deodorant. That's not the case for me. Not only I work out a lot, I'm kind of a sweater by nature. Um, and I wish that when I did sweat, I didn't stink, but that's just me. That's who I am. So for now, I'm going with deodorant, but I'm going with a natural deodorant. Um, the other kind of external thing that I choose to avoid are sunscreens. There's really, really interesting studies and looking at skin cancer rates prior to this heavy implementation of skin cancers. And it's very interesting, or I'm sorry, to sunscreens. And it's very interesting that after the implementation of wide use encouraging of sunscreens that our skin cancer rates actually increased. Now, a lot of us are aware that certain sunscreens have been recalled. They, they contain ingredients that are directly related to causing cancer. And again, it's the absorption factor. And if you're reapplying, if you're out in the sun or you get in the pool and then you think, oh, I need to reapply, reapply. So for me personally, and again, anything that I'm sharing with you, like go read about it. Do research for yourself. I I'm this is in no way, of course, like medical advice or I'm telling you not to do something. I'm just offering little nuggets that I think are helpful for people to think about when we start making these decisions for ourselves, if we choose to do so. But as far as the sunscreen component is concerned, I choose other things that I think naturally help my body adapt to the sun. And this one is probably going to sound wild to a lot of you, but I also don't wear sunglasses. There's a lot of now information that is coming out about how we actually need that sun exposure through our eyes to, in essence, trigger our brains to tell our body, okay, the sun is out. I need to do internal things to protect myself from the skin or from the sun, you know, through the skin, right? So our, our eyes take in the sun. It tells our brains it's daytime. I need to start working from the inside out to produce specific things that help my skin from burning, right? And sunglasses block a lot of that. They prohibit that from happening. So I've stopped wearing sunglasses. It's just not something, uh, just not something that I do anymore. And even being in Arizona, I think that's funny for people to hear like, oh my gosh, do you squint when you drive? Or, you know, are you worried about those crow's feet from constantly squinting? And I'm really not like, I'm going to age gracefully. I don't need a lot of stuff uh, pumped into my face or anything like that to, to feel any less attractive or that people don't know my age by looking at me. But I've just adapted. It was a relatively easy thing to transition to. I don't even really 
like think about it anymore. It's been well over a year and a half, I would say that I have consciously put my old sunglasses up on the shelf and haven't reached for them. Another one that might sound weird to people is, and again, I think what's interesting for me is when I stop and I kind of think about this list about kind of the the outside in things um, is how much is associated with our skin, just being the largest organ and obviously things are absorbed, you know, through that. I don't touch receipts at the grocery store. And this might put me into that like, whoa, she's wildly insane category for some of you, but here's what I will tell you. Those receipts that you get are so incredibly toxic. The paper, which if you think about it, when you touch a receipt, does it even really feel like paper? It doesn't. It's not a piece of notebook paper. It's not like any other kind of paper that we come in contact with. It's very weird. You can tell that it's synthetic in nature. It's slippery. It just has a whole different feel, let alone the ink that gets, that gets printed on it. They are full of toxins. So whenever I'm shopping... If they ask me to do an email receipt, I will opt for an email receipt. If I feel pretty confident that I'm not going to be returning any of the items that I'm purchasing, I will just straight decline the receipt. Um, If it's, you know, obviously I'm purchasing it, so I would have record of the purchase on my credit card or on my debit card. If there is the option that I think maybe there's a possibility that it'll be a return, I will just have the cashier put it in the bag for me. If I get in a hurry or the lines are too long and I do self-checkout, I just leave my receipt. I just don't even touch it, pull it out of the thing and put it in the trash. I just leave it alone. Here's the other crazy part about that. They looked at it. There was a study done looking at using hand sanitizer and then touching a receipt and the chemical absorption skyrocketed. And what has everybody been doing for the last couple of years? Lathering themselves up with hand sanitizer anytime they walk into the grocery store, taking those wet naps or whatever those chemical-filled wipes are and wiping down their grocery uh, cart handle with them, like germaphobes, really, And then your hands are constantly touching that handle and you're pushing your cart around for however long it's taking you to shop or do whatever you're going to do. And then ultimately you touch that receipt. Ew, gross. That's a hard pass for me. It might sound crazy. And I'm so used to that by now. I've said it many times before. I wear that crazy like a badge of honor because I just know that it's in my personal best interests, and there's no harm in not doing it. I guess maybe that's the other way to look at some of these things is by removing these chemicals or these exposures from our world, we're not exchanging any harms. Now, what I will say is some of these products, I think, do carry a higher price point, which should also alert us What is the motive there? Why would something that's better for us be more expensive? 
It's why you can eat so cheap at McDonald's, but organic fruits and vegetables or things that are good for you are incredibly expensive. Cheap and convenient equal unhealthy. And that's ultimately, you know, where, where I think they would love us to be all the time. Another way that I have worked to eliminate exposures to myself via my skin are laundry soaps and detergents. And this to me is a super easy swap. This one is like a no brainer. There are a million different places online where you can find a a DIY mix your own laundry soap. Super easy. You get a big glass storage jug, you know, you put in your borax and your baking soda and, you know, a few drops of an essential oil, stir it all up, boom, you're good to go. You don't need these, you know, store-bought, you don't need Tide Pods, you don't need any of this stuff. And you certainly don't need the fragrances. The fragrances is a really, really significant component of endocrine disrupting uh, issues that we're seeing. Whether that be linked to infertility, I tend to think so. Whether that be linked to other things that we're seeing in our bodies that are becoming incredibly routine. How many people do you know with thyroid problems? I know a gazillion, a gazillion people have thyroid issues. Lots of people have fertility issues, skin issues like eczema, psoriasis. Those I do believe are internal and and then they're, they're internal issues that are expressed externally but where does that internal issue start from? Is it an immune system issue? Is it due to something being absorbed through your skin and then expressed that way? Lots of different scenarios to think about, but laundry soap is a super easy swap and probably cheaper in the long run if you do decide to dive in on a homemade recipe and do it yourself. I think way cheaper than buying even you know, the gigantic jugs of like a generic brand at the grocery store. So something easy to easy to do there. As far as the internal things that I'm doing for myself to help keep me out of the medical system and provide myself additional longevity and reduce exposure to things, a big one for my food choices are no seed oils. Very, very popular in conversation right now, and I am so glad that they are. Seed oils are, I think, the kiss of death. The way that they're produced, the way that they are processed, is driving a significant number of health problems in our bodies. They lead to chronic inflammation, obesity, diabetes. They are just they're almost like the first domino in what could be a cascade of other problems. And here's the thing with seed oils, and this is where it gets so challenging. They are literally in everything. They're in everything. If you And, and they're in everything, and they don't need to be in everything, which is so weird, which also tells me it's like a 
I don't have to have all of this like validation for the way necessarily that I think or the these choices that I make, but it does offer me some validation that they're like, oh my gosh, like it's just death by seed oils. If they're not going to get us one way, they're going to get us in another way. And this is such an easy way to to create us in that kind of like cyclical loop, right? Like, oh, we'll put it in the food and we'll label it as natural or healthy. And we don't really know a lot about these seed oils, but we look at it on the back of the package and we think, oh, it can't be that bad. So then we eat it and then we're inflamed and then we have to go to the doctor. Like it's just a constant cycle. So I don't cook with seed oils. I try, I don't eat a lot of what I would say packaged or processed food anyways, but if I do, I do my best to check the label. If it's got it in there, I try to find an alternative. Again, I can't be a hundred percent. Um, and that's not really, I'm not going to hold myself to that standard. I'm going to do the best that I can. And the best that I can is certainly eliminating it from large portions of my diet where I can. If I'm going to bake something, I don't use Wesson. I don't use canola oil in my baking. I'll use a substitute. And like I said, if I'm going to buy a packaged food or something like that, I'm going to check the label and try to find an alternative that doesn't have that in there. Another simple swap that I think a lot of people can do is plastics. I've worked really hard to eliminate plastic from my kitchen for the most part. So I don't use plastic storage containers for leftovers. I don't use plastic glasses. I don't use plastic cooking utensils. Anywhere that I think plastic could be heated or cooled down, it's eliminated. I have glass storage containers with little snap lids. Now, granted, the lid is plastic. However, I take the lid off. And then if I reheat the food in the oven, it's in the glass container. And spatulas or uh, any other whisks, you know, all of those kitchen utensils that I use are all uh, metal. And then of course, yeah, glassware. I use a lot of mason jars. I like to store things in mason jars. I think it's an easy storage solution. I'll cut up my berries that I'm going to eat. If I'm going to do strawberries, like I'll wash them and I'll put them in a mason jar. And then I actually store them in the door of the refrigerator instead of the regular fridge spot. I just think it's easier. So a little storage tip for you there, but yeah, just elimination of plastic where I can. And the interesting thing to me about plastic is that it replaced glass and it became this like super convenient option. And now look at all of our food, look at how many items are stored in plastic. So again, can't eliminate that. I don't know that I would be able to purchase anything that doesn't have some potential plastic component to it. So again, I get it. I'm going to eliminate where I can. And that's once I get it home and what I put it in and what my food touches, I'm going to eliminate it. And what I think about associated with plastic is for the past, well, maybe, maybe certainly pre pre pandemic, but we heard about BPA for the first time. I'm sure everybody now 
thinks about, oh yeah, BPA, we know what that is. How long did we have plastic that was BPA? And why wasn't that just eliminated from the beginning? And then there was this big kick on BPA free and everything was advertised as BPA free plastic. It's like once we're kind of onto the game, then they rush in with like the solution to just, just keep us satisfied enough. Like, okay, the plastic had BPA in it before they found out about that. So now here's what we'll do. We're going to, we're maybe going to take it out. Does anybody even really know? Again, it says BPA free, but is it just replaced with another type of chemical that's equally as harmful, slightly less harmful, just different? Is BPA labeled something different on, on the label? Do they rename it? Who knows? But they'll come out and they'll say, okay, this is BPA free. So it makes you feel as a consumer like, oh, I'm doing a good thing. Yes, it's plastic, but it's BPA free plastic. There's so much trickeration and it's so bothersome because if you're just trying to do the right thing and you're just trying to be healthy, they will thwart that. They don't want any of us healthy. They don't want us thriving. They don't want us certainly exercising or building muscle mass. They just want us in this continuous cycle of sickness and ailments and relying on this big system. I'm going to end with one more. I've got one final one and it's kind of related to the, to the laundry soap that I mentioned, but this is a big one. This is for my women out there. I, for a very long time, very, very long time, and I don't know if it was just a personal comfort issue or I don't know, again, maybe me just thinking, I think probably just a comfort issue. I'll be honest. I do not wear bras with underwire in them. And I'm not a very large woman um, in that in that category. So I know that if I'm if you're hearing this and you're like, oh, there's just no way that I could get away with that. What I would encourage you to do is look at some of the recent literature that's coming out related to breast cancer and lymph node issues and look at potentially some correlation between wearing that underwire. It's so tight and it's right there on the edge of our breasts where we know that we have chains of lymph nodes and that compression and what that compression does. It is fascinating. There is a lot of research coming out about that. So I myself shop for bras that don't have any underwire. I do find them to be significantly more comfortable, but I would also opt for health over that fashion or comfort anyways, or how maybe I look in a blouse. I'm not worried about that. I'm not trying to damage my insides from the outside. So just some food for thought for you guys. I don't know how wackadoo or crazy some or all of this sounds, 
But these, in my opinion, are very, very, very simple steps that we can do to just be a little bit more aware of reducing our chemical exposure. I don't think we're ever going to be 100% toxin free. But where you can eliminate, I think it's beneficial for us to try to eliminate if we can. And maybe you'll notice the difference in the way you feel. Maybe you'll maybe you'll see changes in your skin. Maybe, I, I don't know. I don't know. But to me, there's nothing on the other side that causes more risk. You're not at any higher risk for removing these chemicals from your daily exposure. So just some food for thought. Maybe do some fun research. Maybe you look at some of those articles that I suggested. I'll put them also in the show notes just to uh, maybe pique your interest a little bit, a little bit, a little bit further and have you do some exploration on your own and have you look around your house and think about where you could make a little bit of difference for yourself and for your family. And with that, that is all the time that we have for today, friends. But remember, we are here on the air five days a week, Monday through Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern with a different nurse host daily. Please be sure to tune in and listen to myself and my amazing sister nurses as we walk you through all of these hot topics. We will empower you with information and education. We will educate and we will stand in the gap for you because we are nurses and this is what we do. I'm your host, Nurse Beth, and you can find me here every Tuesday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern with an encore at 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Be sure to make AmericaOutloud.com your daily stop for all the latest news and happenings. We all must do our part and share the stories, the articles, the podcasts, and videos so we can help secure America's future. Until next time, be safe, be well, and God bless. Join us weekdays with a different nurse host daily. No topic is off limits as we shine our lights and expose the darkness. It's time and this is.